0: Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more
1: about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes. To share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact his kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church.
0: Good morning. How is everybody? Hey, let's celebrate that worship time together. Both of our campuses... Noonan and LaGrange, we're glad that you're here together with us. I tell you what, I love when we sing songs about coming alive in Jesus. As I was singing those words, I was just reminded and reminded again that God's resurrection power is in me. God's resurrection power is in me. I am not who I used to be. I'm alive in Jesus. And so I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks for coming. Uh, if you've been coming to our series, thanks for coming back. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here today. So how many of you guys are glad time change is over? Raise your hand, okay? I don't know about you, but the older I get, time change really messes with me. Because I don't sleep at all, like for a few days, right? Like I used to be like, I'm really tired and it's 7.30, but it doesn't matter. Like I used to pray all the time, Lord, would you please let my son sleep so I can sleep through the night? And now that I'm in my mid-40s, I don't pray for my son anymore, I pray for myself. Can I get an amen? Like, dear Jesus, could you please let me sleep past 4.30 a.m.? Like this is getting weird. So glad that you're here. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, it's time to rise up. All right, if you didn't know that person, that was awkward. But I'm glad you're here. So if you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. We are going to do a reverse message. So we are going to start in Nehemiah 6, and we're going to work our way back to Nehemiah 4. Week 3 of our series called Rise Up. And uh, first week, we said this, that the solution to every problem we have, we already carry in God. The solution we carry is bigger than our problem. And that's why God destined us to rise up. Like this, this idea about a wall is not really the story of Nehemiah, it's about God's people rising up, that God wants us to rise up. He's destined us to do that. And that we have a God, that he is our solution, and as long as we know that the solution we carry is always bigger than the problem that we face, there's nothing in our life that will ever cause us from rising up. And so last week we talked a little bit about opposition, obstacles, And I pointed out to you that many of us think sometimes the obstacles we face is the person in our life that is truly nagging us, right? Like the person that you work with and you know who they are because you got them in your mind right now and you're saying, if I wasn't a Christian, there's a good chance I would murder them, right? No, you wouldn't say that. Here's what you'd say. I pray that when my car runs over them, they won't see it's my tires. (laughs) You know, you're thinking about opposition and sometimes you think the person that you work with or the person that's in front of you at Walmart is your opposition or the person that stole your coffee at Starbucks is your opposition, but it's not. Listen, we have one enemy and his name is Satan and he came to steal, kill and destroy and Jesus has already defeated him. He is defeated. In fact, I just wanna say to both of our campuses today, Jesus defeated the power of the enemy. So yeah, that's right. So today we're not speaking from this idea of I hope I make it. We're speaking, we just sang the words, we're singing from victory. We start at the place of victory today. And so we're talking about rising up, but we said this, we have to overcome some obstacles and some opposition in our life if we're gonna rise up. Don't think it's gonna come easy. Because anytime we start doing something that's made to last for eternity, we're gonna face opposition But here's how we face it. And I wanna bring this up from last week because to me, this is so key in our life. How do you face opposition? Here's how you face it. You respond in the opposite spirit. You respond in the opposite spirit. So let me give you an example. You go through a season in your life, you're afraid. You're like, oh God, what am I gonna do? Like, I don't know how this is gonna happen. I'm worried about this. I'm struggling with this. And what you wanna do is you wanna cower in fear But what you do to overcome the opposition is you operate in the opposite spirit. You start walking in faith. You start trusting God and taking him in his word. You start believing God is bigger than your problems because God is bigger than your problems. You start operating in another spirit. Sometimes you're like, God, my finances are struggling. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how in the world I'm going to give to you and your kingdom. And I don't know how in the world. And so we just kind of lurch back, and God says, No, 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 no. That's when you need to become more generous. Why? Because you operate in the opposite spirit. And the way we overcome opposition and obstacles in our life is to operate in the opposite spirit that is opposing us. Someone comes to you and they say, You're the worst person I've ever met on the planet. What is your response? You start praying for them. You start loving them. You start wiping their feet and you start taking, you start, you do everything you can to love them. And what happens is suddenly the opposition is no longer the opposition. Why? Because anytime Satan sees us becoming more like his son, Jesus, he flees. And what did Jesus do? Jesus humbled himself to the point of a cross. And so I want to tell you this idea about operating in the opposite spirit is huge. So, we're in this story, Nehemiah, he brings the people back. If you remember, there was three guys who opposed him, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem. And they were governors of the region around Jerusalem. And so he says, "Hey, we're coming back to Jerusalem and we're going to repair the wall. We're going to rebuild this wall." And he tells God's people because he goes and he surveys. And I love how the people respond. I think this is just beautiful. Here's what they say, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. See, the truth is this. It takes God's people embracing God's plan and responding to it to see great things happen. It just does. It takes God's people embracing God's plan and getting on on God's terms and saying, God, I want what you want, because here's the truth. That wall was never meant to stay broken. And I got something encouraging for you today. Neither are you. God doesn't want you to stay broken either. He doesn't want you to face the problems you face over and over again and live in a cycle of defeat over and over again. I will never overcome this addiction. I will never overcome my, my bad failed marriage. I will never overcome the fact that my kids are of the devil. I will never over, I won't overcome that. That's what the enemy wants you to think. But when you rise up and you get on God's plan, God's people were never meant to stay broken. They were meant to be healed and they were meant to be restored. In fact, let me say this. God's plan is to bring restoration. All throughout history, the story of God through Jesus is the fact that he is restoring things back to the way they were in a garden. And I love this about God all throughout Old Testament. All the prophecies about Jesus coming, they were all about God's plan is to bring restoration. And if that's true, then there's nothing that God's people can't accomplish when they cooperate with God's plan. Think about it. You and I, every day of our life, we get to cooperate with God's plan. We're here to see heaven come to this earth and see lives change and see the gospel of Jesus spread to see broken people healed, to see people who are in bondage set free. Jesus told us in Luke four, that's why I came. And if you wanna know why you're still here, we're here for that one mission, right? We're here for that one mission, that we are the same thing Jesus was here on this planet. He left us here to do that. God's plan was always restoration. So we read in the story, the people of God, they get to work, and they face opposition. We know according to the first part of chapter four, they face a lot of opposition. Sanballat, Tobai, and Geshem, they just won't let go. Remember what I said last week? When you set out to do something great for God and you start rising up, you should expect opposition. Why? Because anything that's built for eternity is gonna face opposition. It's opposite of the natural of this world. That's why I love it, because you and I get to operate in the supernatural. So, Nehemiah chapter six wanna tell you the story and then I wanna work my way back. And I wanna to talk to you about the idea, if you have a pen, write this down, about how you and I can stay up. Everyone say, stay up. Some of you sound like you stayed up. Stay up. How many nighttime people we got here? How many people crave the night? Like at 10 a.m., you come alive like an electric chihuahua. Your wife's like, I'm gonna unplug you. All right? Yeah, I'm a converted night person. So, when I was growing up, like I didn't really get going until midnight, 1230, and I was good till about 3 a.m., and then I would just, you know, there was no such thing, okay? And now in my mid-40s, I actually wake up at 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. all the time. I'm a converted person. I'm not talking about that type of staying up. I'm talking about how we can stay up and stand and do everything God called us to do because it's one thing to rise up. It's another thing to stay up. Nehemiah chapter six. Starting with verse one, it says, when the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. So get it. Maybe they were sitting there giving him a text message. I don't know. But listen to what they said. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And I don't know about you, I just think, find this funny in scripture. If I was Nehemiah, I would have sent them a message back that said, oh no, you didn't. Oh no, you didn't try to get me to come off this wall. He says, but they were scheming to harm him. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. He says, I'm carrying on a great project and I can't go down. Everyone say go down. All right, how many of you guys have ever gone down before? How many have ever gotten down before? Like you're in a place that's like, I just feel like everything is down, okay? In our country right now, there's a lot of people that are living in the down. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? And four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. I wanna say this to you today. God has called us to rise up and God has called us to stay up. But the enemy, he wants you and I to go down. He wants you and I to come down. And in doing so, you know what his real goal is? To get us to change our position. Think about it. is standing on a wall, and all of a sudden the opposition comes, and they say, hey, come down and sit with us. Have you ever had problems in your life that you just really felt like, I know what God wants for me, I know what promises God's given me, but I just feel like this obstacle or this opposition is wanting me to change my position because in Christ, I have everything I need, right? I have victory. And so the enemy wants me to come down and he wants me to solve this problem. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of times. The enemy's greatest strategy is he doesn't have to make you bad. He doesn't doesn't need to get you to smoke crack. He just needs you to change positions. Nehemiah is standing. He says, hey, come sit. Nehemiah says, no, no, no. Hey, come come sit with us. No, 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 no. He stayed in position. He stayed in position. The enemy wants you to leave your position in order to solve your problems. Don't do it. His goal is to get you to change positions, to move from standing and trusting to a place of sitting and doubting. Don't do it. Don't come down when God says, stay up. Can I get an amen? You don't have to come down off of the wall. He says, stay up. In fact, I wanna say it this way. We can operate with power and authority if we are willing to stay in the right position. If we are willing to stay in the right position before God, of trusting, of humility, of God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how long this obstacle I'm gonna face. I don't know how long I'm gonna have to deal with cancer. I don't know how long I'm gonna have to deal with the affliction of my family, but God, I am trusting you, and I am not gonna get out of position because the moment I do, the moment I change positions, I no longer operate in power and authority. I operate in fear. It's kind of like Elijah. Remember the story of Elijah? The 450 prophets of Baal... The people were confused. They were staying up and then they were coming down. They were staying up and they were coming down. Elijah said it this way. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? What opinion? They were trying to figure out, is Baal God or is Jehovah God? Now we see Baal do some cool things and we see Jehovah do a lot of other cool things. But here's the funny thing about that story. Nehemiah asked them a question. How long are you gonna waver between two opinions? In other words, how much more are you going to do by getting up and off that ladder? (laughs) And what was crazy was Baal was only winning when God's people were wavering. But the moment Elijah stepped on the scene and he called down the fire from heaven, God's people said, I get it. I ain't coming off that wall anymore. Jehovah is God. Yahweh is God. Baal is nothing. Don't come down. Don't come down stay up. If you're going to rise up, you got to stay up because the enemy wants to get you to come down. So I want to talk about this for a few minutes today. How do you and I stay up when we know we live in a culture and a world that always wants us to come down? Think about that. A lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of broken dreams in this room. Some of you grew up in a generation where you wanted to be a lawyer, but because of finances, you had to come down. You were in a relationship and because of something you never chose, you had to come down. But how do you stay up? That's where I wanted to take you in the scripture. Go back to chapter four real quick. In chapter four, it's almost as if God gives us a blueprint for how you and I can stay up. And I wanna talk about this. I just wanna call out a few things to you today. The first thing that they did to stay up is they prayed and they watched. They prayed and watched. Listen to what the Bible says, verse seven of chapter four. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Look at verse nine. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard night and day to meet this threat. Let me tell you one of the greatest factors to you and I staying up in the position that God wants us to stay up. It's called prayer. Sometimes you gotta stay up by getting on your knees. Nehemiah, he prayed and he posted. He said, we're gonna pray and we're gonna watch. So I want you to write this down. This is powerful. Prayer is powerful because it keeps us positioned in God's presence. That's what prayer is. It's not about the request that you and I have. It's not about the need that we're asking for. The key, the secret sauce of prayer is that it keeps us positioned in God's presence. And how could you ever choose to come down when you're walking in God's presence? They prayed and they watched. You know what else they did? They stationed themselves in the gaps. They stationed themselves in the gaps. You see, as they were building, they would build the wall, but there were certain parts of the wall that still had gaps in it. And so Nehemiah did something brilliant. He said, guys, this work is really hard, so I'm gonna start taking families, and where there's a gap, I wanna go put a family in that gap. And here's why it was so important. Because the gaps were where the enemy had access. The wall was built big enough already that the only way they could get into the city and fight against the people of God were to allow gaps to go unmanned. So he put families in the gaps. Remember what I said earlier about operating in the opposite spirit? There's times you're gonna find gaps in your life. You're gonna find gaps in your faith. Sometimes you're gonna find gaps in your relationships with people. But when those gaps happen, what do you put in the gaps? Do you put trust? Do you put hope? Do you put faith? Because when you do, you fill the gap. Look at verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I love what he said. This is courage. He said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. (laughs) He didn't just say go get in the gap. He said get in the gap and remember who God is and then remember what you're really fighting for because you're not fighting for today. You're fighting for generations and generations and generations after you. They station themselves in the gap. I want to give you a great word today. When you see a gap in the world, go stand in it. When you see a gap in our church, go stand in it. When you see a gap in someone else's life, like, man, she's going through addiction or he's struggling with this, go stand in the gap. Watch what God does. Fight for the generations long after you. Don't complain or blame about the gap. Go station and stand in it. Because that's how they stayed up. That's why they were able to stay up on the wall in chapter six, because they stood in the gap in chapter four. Let me tell you what else they did. I love this. They responded to the call for battle. He says in verse 19 and 20, He said, Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. In other words, we are vulnerable. And I love what he says, verse 20. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. And then he says, our God will fight for us. I said this in the first week. God has a vision for your life. And the more you stay connected to that vision, the more you stay connected to your destiny. But God also brings leaders into our life to help us stay aligned to that vision. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful for the men and the the people in my life that poured into me, that said, Sean, don't you dare come off the wall. Don't you dare. You stay true to what God's called you to be and what God's called you to do. And I wanna tell you today as your pastor, listen, there are times as a church that we may blow the trumpet and we say, guys, the enemy's coming in. We need to gather. We need to come. We need to all get together and let God fight for us. And what we need is we need people to willing to say, you know what, I'll respond to the call of the battle because this is the generation we live in. The generation we live in is this. When they hear the trumpet, hey man, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk over this way. I want to say something to the men in the room here today. Listen, men, fathers, dads, brothers, you need to be the warriors for this generation. Men who will respond to the battle, not run from the battle. Men who will say, you know what? When there's a gap, I'll stand in it. I'll take my whole family. I will lead my family to stand in the gap. Why? Because I will respond to the call of God. I love it. If you've ever been to Israel, there's one point where the the priest or somebody, I don't even remember who he was, he would stand on the edge of the wall of Jerusalem and he would blow the trumpet and the people would come into worship. And I wanna say this to you. There's times that gonna be in our lives when God's gonna blow the trumpet and we need to say, you know what, I'm gonna to respond to the battle. It's vision that keeps me connected to my destiny, but it's also the people that God's put into my life to say, hey, let's go, let's go fight. Let's not run from this, let's fight. You know the other thing they did? They kept their armor on. They kept their armor on. Look at verse 21. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. And at that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve as guards by night and workers by day. He started a second shift. (laughs) Look at verse 23. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. If we're in a spiritual battle, then we've got to stay suited up spiritually. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that we have the armor of God. In fact, look what he says. Ephesians 6:10 and 11, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full, everyone say full. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I mean, here's what they learned. We got to stay here and we got to station here and we got to we got to keep our armor on. I want to say it to us this way. We have to suit up if we're going to stay up. Right? We can't live in a spirit of, comp- we can't live in a spirit of, you know what, I'm just going to let whatever happen, that's not my job. No, 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 no. We've got to be the people that rise up and put on all of God's armor. I need the breastplate of his righteousness. I need the helmet of salvation. I need the shield of faith because those fiery darts are going to come and the bible says i can extinguish them we got to suit up to stay up but then something crazy happened because in chapter 5 it says something really happened that changed the whole direction they became generous Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we, had, uh, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. And yet some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Now here's, here's what happened. The people got to work. They prayed and they watched. They stationed in the gaps but the work was still hard. It was still tough. So as the people got tired, they began to grumble. And what happened? They got scared. And when they began to live in scarcity, they started exploiting each other. You say, how did, how did that happen? Let me, let me explain. Bill over here has grain, and he could sell it for $2 a bushel but because he's tired and because he's scared and he doesn't know what's gonna happen and, and, and he, he's trying to get his, he looks at Paul over here and he says, hey, I, I should probably charge you probably less than what it's worth, maybe a dollar a bushel, but because I'm living in fear, I'm gonna charge you eight dollars a bushel. And they did that with grain and they did that with work and they did that with their homes and they started operating in scarcity And you know what happened? It opposed generosity. The work of God will always suffer when God's people aren't willing to share. The work was being hindered by their unwillingness to be generous. Nehemiah finds out about it. He tells us in verse 11 that he got angry. It's funny because I don't know that any other time in the book that we see he got angry. I mean, he had all this other opposition, but he got most angry at his own people. Why? Because they weren't willing to be generous. Verse 11, he says it to him once he finds out what's going on. He says, give it back to them. Give it back to them. Verse 12, the people respond because there again, I want to say as great of a leader as Nehemiah was, these people were amazing because they just kept responding. And they responded and said, we will give it back we will give it back. And here's what you gotta know about what happened in that moment. Generosity broke the spirit of poverty. Generosity is what breaks the spirit of poverty. I was watching the news yesterday like some of you do on Saturday and listening to all the commentary and as you know, we're talking about healthcare reform and we're talking about town halls of what to do with terrorism and how we're going to fund this and how we're going to fund that. And about halfway through I just shut the TV off and I said, if God's people would just get on God's plan, the media wouldn't have anything to talk about. Amen. We would still be building hospitals. A lot less people be on welfare. And everybody would know that Yahweh is God. Generosity always breaks the spirit of poverty. When we give obediently, it breaks the power of poverty over our own life and the lives of others. How does it do that? Here's how it does it. It sets us free from unbelief towards God, that God, I can trust you, and greed towards self. God, you supply my needs. I will always have enough if I have you. It's what it does. The people said, we'll give it back. Here's what they could have said. Hey, I did my part. That's somebody else's job. (laughs) Every generation, we have that opportunity. You think about the enormity of the mission of this church, reaching South Atlanta one relationship at a time. God is bringing people to South Atlanta like crazy. I see people buying homes, I see people moving in. I have a new set of neighbors about every nine to 12 months. People are coming. And the question is, is the church, are we gonna be the church that gives radically generosity, that gives radically because we believe in the mission of reaching South Atlanta one relationship at a time? That's what it's gonna come down to. It's not gonna come down to how am I doing financially? It's not gonna come down to, hey, what, what color light are we gonna put in this place? It ain't gonna come down to that. It's gonna come down to one relationship at a time. That's what it's gonna come down to. And I wanna tell you guys, there's problems in our society. There's problems in South Atlanta that can be solved if God's people will get on God's plan. Because God's called us to stay up. I want to tell you the best part of the story. This is just, I love this part. Look back over to chapter 6, verse 15. They did all these things. He said, I'm not going to come down. I'm going to continue to build. And then in verse 15, look what God does. It says, so the wall was completed, chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Now, I just got to say this to you, okay? Okay. I've built buildings before in cities all over America. I've been a part of building homes. Nothing gets done in 52 days. Like I've tried to get a mailbox installed and it didn't happen in 52 days. 52 days. Verse 16, when all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Man, when we pray and watch, when we station ourselves in the gaps, when we become the people of God who say, you know what, we're gonna suit up every day. I'm gonna walk in the armor of God. I'm not gonna walk in the fear of man. I'm gonna do these things. When I become generous to what God wants me to do, I just happen to believe that our nation, our society will look back at the church and they will say, this gospel must be real. This Jesus thing must be real. But it all comes down to God's people. I mean, think about it this way. Think about how much God can do when you and I choose to stay up. God, I'm gonna stay in right position. I'm not gonna go down and try to solve all the problems that I'm not even supposed to solve, maybe that, but it's just a conversation about me changing my position. I'm just going to stay up. Think of what God can do when God's people stay up. Think about the cost if you and I choose to come down. I don't know how many days I got left. Neither do you. But you and I have to make a choice. Are we going to stay up? are we going to go down? Let's pray together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.